0: Hello and welcome to The Aside, a podcast for drama teachers and students. I'm Nick Waxman and today we will be treated to part three of an interview with Ian Michael, co-writer and performer of 2018 VCAA drama playlist show, Heart, presented by She Said Theatre and Regional Arts Victoria. This is part three of the interview. If you haven't listened to part one or part two, I encourage you to go back and listen to them. Do you use rhythm in a non-naturalistic way in Hart? I think
1: non-naturalistic in the sense of how um, they're woven in together because the way that the men speak being verbatim is very, very natural. But in the way that we've um, created the piece and the way we've interwoven these stories, it's quite non-naturalistic because even just the transformations of men are quite simple and small um, and it might take a little while for the audience to quite understand which men is who. Each man has their own rhythm, even in in the sense of their speech. Their speech patterns are very, very different. Um, There's no live song on stage. There's quite a lot of movement. It's quite a physical show. And um, I, I, I feel like, as a performer and as a storyteller, I'm manipulated by the sound design as well, because the sound design literally will transition each man too. Um, So that rhythm is really manipulated by myself as a performer, telling the stories, talking as the men. And then um, the sound design kind of manipulates the rhythm, um, uh, manipulates the rhythm of the storytelling and then the projections manipulate and kind of break into everything else. So yeah, it's quite... It seems like a play that's quite broken up, but somehow works really seamlessly.
0: Do you use contrast in the piece?
1: This man Hart has a lot of contrast throughout the whole entire play. He, you kind of feel like he's on your team in a way, or like that you're on his team from the beginning. And then all of a sudden he'll shift. And so his contrast of his mood um, and his storytelling, his rhythm shifts a lot during the play. Um, but in terms of contrast, I think it's, we talk a lot about and people always talk about how light and humorous the show is and then all of a sudden it can be very, very dark. And it seems quite dangerous in parts as well. You And I think the danger comes from the abuse. So you hear beautiful memories of family and um, holidays and Christmas time and then all of a sudden you'll be in a moment of talking about Sexual and physical abuse in missions um, and foster homes. So I think that
0: contrast of um,
1: probably mood is
0: is really really important in this play. Can you talk about conflict in the piece—internal, external, or any other kind?
1: Yeah, the, the conflict is about how they feel about themselves and their lives and their reflections on them. Um, and so you'll see kind of the internal conflict of a of a character or a man throughout the whole entire play, and then. I guess the conflict. Second secondary to that is um the conflict between performer slash man character to the audience because you you feel really like these men are talking to you really personally and want you to be kind of drawn in and then all of a sudden they will because it's so direct. You, I feel like sometimes I'm really kind of kind of have a lot of hatred towards the audience because uh, I feel like you, you, what these men are trying to talk about and get across is, is so personal that it's. I kind of feel like we've created a very personal um, relationship between performer and audience. And sometimes that is, um, that is quite a conflict because sometimes the audience feel like they're allowed to sit back and enjoy the play. And then sometimes they feel like they really have to take responsibility for, for what's going on and what's being said
0: climax will be used in an interesting way can you expand on that
1: yeah each man has their own kind of climax i feel in their journey and in their storytelling i feel like our climax comes in the middle of the play which is a, probably the darkest part of the play as well in terms of the content of the of what these men are talking about and it's the men the part of the play where we talk about the men being in the missions and the foster homes and the Everything about that moment is very, very dark. The sound is dark. The, the lighting is dark. This the performer, me, um, is quite, quite dark and aggressive, and spends a lot of time at the back of the stage. And so we've kind of even we've got the stage kind of happens in thirds, where the the the, the back part of the set is the where the, the darkness happens and the kind of the climax happens where the audience aren't really allowed to feel like this man wants to talk to them anymore. And so, and and that part is where all of the stories of abuse happen as well. So that, that's kind of the climax that I feel happens in the play. But there are lots of different moments, like kind of peppered throughout the whole thing. But yeah, that moment that happens in the very middle is, is kind of the the tipping point or the the very huge shift in what's going to happen next in the second half.
0: Contrast, conflict, or climax—do they manifest physically?
1: I think this, the thing you see physically a lot is this: is the set shifting and changing because of the way it's being used throughout the whole entire play. It's it starts off as such a, a neat, beautifully put-out piece of set that my you know our our stage manager does um, so beautifully every single night, and then by the end of it, it's literally completely destroyed and is. You know the whole entire set. Then the floor, sorry, is covered in this flower. So I feel like even that that um that circle of flower, in a sense, has its own conflict because it's wanting to stay so neat and tidy, but then it's destroyed. So I feel like that's another metaphor for the play and um, for the story. So yeah, there are so many, so many. I feel like every single part in terms of design storytelling. Um, relationship to audience, all of those things are are shifted and um, have conflicts in them just just because of the way that we've um, constructed the text.
0: Is the set used to explore some of these dramatic elements?
1: There's something really important about the set as well that I, as a performer, never leave that circle for the whole duration of the show until the, the very last line of the play. And so the circle kind of then represents in a way the world in which we've created, but also I personally feel very, very trapped in there. And so I feel like you're perhaps as an audience member waiting for that for him to leave the the circle, but it never really never ever happens until like the literally the last three words of the whole entire play. So that's yeah, that circle, um has a lot of tension in itself. Um, it's, it has so many different, um says so many different things, but then as well, it, it's, it really um, holds kind of the story, really.
0: Can you talk about space, sound and symbol in the piece?
1: Again, I, this idea of never leaving the circle came from an improvisation. And, uh, and we really, really felt in a way that the circle kept them those men trapped in in um, in their trauma, and they they could never really the whole idea of not being able to break open from the circle meant that the audience had to understand that these men are just going around in circles in a way as well in their lives and their um in their trauma so that element of space meant that the audience by the end understand that. These people can't break out of their, um, out of their, out of their stories because they're just continuing. There's a continuation of um, everything, and I think that shows as well. Just even in the text of having one man born in the 1930s and then having a man talking about living in Melbourne in 20, you know, 2018. So that the idea of everything being secular is not just a metaphor for the story, but is a metaphor for the set. Is a metaphor for um, policies and history, and because in a way that our history of a country, there's no kind of nothing changing. There's nothing ending. We're just going around in circles. So that that element of space is in, in quite non-naturalistic in the sense that it's not a set in a way. It's it's it, it means it's a metaphor for everything that happens in the show. I think, um, and sound. I think the element of sound is. I feel like the set the the flower circle the chair and my and the sight and the sound and the lighting become my best friends in the play or my other castmates because those are the ones I interact with I interact with a light if a, there's a lot of light shifts that kind of might indicate a, a new man story and so those manipulate the storytelling and and the kind of the rhythm of the play because all of a sudden A a bright light comes up, and then all of a sudden, it's a completely different person. So that happens. The sound dictates what man is talking next, and um, yeah, the circle then is projected at the end of the play as well. So yeah, there's lots of different metaphors and different um, kind of answers, in a way. I think, and that's it's really it's a it's a great set and and production and everything in a in a sense that I always feel that audience members talk to me very differently about their experience and what they feel different things mean, which I, I think is really, really incredible.
0: How would an audience best prepare to view this work?
1: I feel like a, a really kind of great entry level way of understanding what, what we're talking about in this show is probably the film with the rabbit proof fence. Um, Cause we literally talk about one, talk about more um, river in the play. So I feel like that's a really great way to kind of understand when we think about, reflecting on memory of family and then when we look at tension and um, pain and anger and sadness of being taken away and then the lightness of family again um, I think that's a great way I think it's so simple there are so many images of um, that we use in this play that you can find by simply googling Aboriginal slavery in Australia I think it's literally at your fingertips to find out what our histories was in this Country and what continues to happen, and I think, yeah, young people can honestly just Google anything. They can Google the stolen generation. You can Google image search anything. Um, there are videos every all over the internet. There are books in libraries, um, and I think it's so fantastic that schools and um, even heart being put on the VCE playlist is a real testament to um, schools and teachers and hopefully, you know, the education system wanting to talk about things that haven't been spoken about for a very long time. And so I just encourage people just to, um, yeah, have a little Google, um, ask questions, ask your parents about what they might know, because I feel like a lot of, I feel like a lot of children come to the show or teenagers or students come to the show, but they're, even their parents aren't educated and aren't aware of what happened. So I feel like it's a, it's a, a, a play that gets to open up conversation and, um, discusses some really, really um, urgent and important parts of our history. I think in Australia, in theatre, we never really get to do one show many times, and Heart has now been touring for three years. Um, And as a performer and as a theatre maker, that's that's kind of the dream, is to, to keep telling stories, and I feel like how important are to keep these stories alive the stories of the stolen generations you know they're stories that have been silenced for a very long time and we now are able to give them a voice and give them a space and give them 55 minutes of somebody's day and through elements of um, multimedia such as the slideshows and um, archival footage that a lot of audience members always say w- like where did you get that those images from where did you get that video from and It's a real testament to to the show because we always just tell people like a lot of the things in the show we just found on the internet. And it's so simple to to acknowledge history and to talk about history, but we're just kind of told not to look for it. Um, So it's a show that's very accessible as well.
0: Can you talk a little bit about how you physically created these characters?
1: One man um, clasps his hands in his lap And that's the first character, Sam Diner. That's how he sits. He sits very straight and upward. And he's um, a man who grew up in the church um, and is, you know, he still goes to church every Sunday. And so he's very straight um, and, yeah, has his hands clasped throughout the whole entire show when he's talking. Um, Paul Parthit is a man with a lot of tension and anger and pain. And he sits quite slumped and um, with his hands in his pocket the whole time when he speaks. He's got a quite a a, a deep voice, and quite um, I, it sounds quite aggressive and quite um, not very approachable. Whereas the contrast to Sam, the man before him, is is quite open and lovely. Hart has a lot of energy, and so Hart sits very forward and looks the audience in the eye the whole time, and um, you know wants kind of to be the champion of the, of the story in a sense. He wants to really get the audience on his side, and so he sits very forward. He has a lot of energy um, and seems he's probably the, he's the youngest of the three older men in the show. So he's got a lot of kind of youthful energy. Um, and myself as Ian is myself. It's very kind of, I guess, any, as any 28 year old would be. So yeah, the subtleties of voice and physicality are very subtle, just small parts of, and you know, I think the Baden theatre is great because you can find videos and you can find voice recordings of the people you're talking about or the people you're performing. So I found I would do a lot of research and watching watching the videos of the men over and over again just to find the tr- I feel like verbatim theatre is always about finding the truth and I would spend a lot of time finding the truth in not just what I was saying about, about these men and about their lives but finding the truth in um, who they were physically as people. And I think that's the thing about theatre is we always try and make it something bigger than what it needs to be and I think it's always just about telling a story and telling the truth of something, really.
0: Thank you for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate it. So good to talk to you, Nick. That is the end of part three of our interview with Ian Michael. For more information on Where to See Heart, go to rav.net.au or she said theater.com that is all from us at the aside thanks to aaron searle for providing the music and elton college for letting us record here there's a range of episodes in the bank so feel free to listen to one that grabs your attention do not hesitate to email us at aside at outlook.com send us a question and we can answer it in a future podcast thanks for listening